I want to, this morning, dive into the Word with you, and I really believe this is such an important message. I'm actually kind of in the beginning of a series. This is one of those messages where I don't, you know, the next few weeks, we'll see where we go. We're heading towards our Holy Spirit Fire Conference, and I'm trusting that the Lord will really, you know, will really visit us during that, that time this year. You know, I've seen God come and visit His people many times, and, you know, God's here all the time, and He touches us, and He moves all the time, but there are certain times where He really comes in a, in a really powerful way. And I'm trusting this year that the Holy Spirit Fire Conference will be that way. So we're heading towards that. Last week, you know, it was one of those things where I preached a message on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, on the works of the Spirit, how He works in our life, and the baptism of the Spirit. So you'll need to go listen to that to understand where we are, because this morning, as we start our series on the fire of God, we're going to be talking about the baptism of fire, the baptism of fire. So let's get right to it, shall we? How are you doing? <laughs> Good. <laughs> Good. All right. I want to start in Exodus 3, verse number 2. This is a subject that most people don't really talk too much about, but I truly believe it's so important for us to understand this. In Exodus 3, verse number 2, Moses is about to have an encounter with God. He's been on the backside of the desert. He's been sort of, you know, lost his identity, lost his passion, lost his confidence, and he has this encounter, and I want you to take a look at this. Let's go... Exodus 3, verse 2, it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him, watch this now, in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside, he turned aside to look. God called him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. It's very interesting to me because the manifestation, the way God chose to manifest himself to Moses was in a flame of fire burning in a bush. The Bible tells us that this fire didn't actually burn. It wasn't consumed by the fire, but the, but the bush was burning. There was a fire literally right there in front of Moses. Can you imagine? And, and it's important that we understand why God chose to manifest himself this way and why he chooses to express himself in a form of fire different times in Scripture. And why the Bible talks about a baptism of fire. And I'll show you exactly where it says that in just a moment. But I need you to understand that Moses comes and what makes that place holy ground is not Moses. Can we all agree with that? What makes it holy ground is that burning fire bush, which was, the, which was God. It was, it was the Lord. He was there in the midst of the fire speaking to Moses. That place was no longer 
just a normal place. And what made it holy, what made it special, what made it different was this burning fire, this burning bush. What's amazing about this story is we know that Moses goes there with no confidence, a stutter, basically run away, was a murderer and, and, and ran away from his identity and his calling. But when he leaves that burning bush, he doesn't leave that way. He goes to Pharaoh to deliver the children of Israel with a renewed confidence, with a renewed boldness, with a different, he different. When he goes to Pharaoh, he challenges Pharaoh with great authority. And the thing that happened in between was this fire, this burning bush experience that he had. Let's take a look at Matthew 3, verse 11. This is the scripture we shared last week, but I want to make it clear with you. There's no, there's no uh, denying what it says. There is a baptism of fire. Matthew 3, 11 says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you. He will baptize you with, with something. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So there is a baptism of the Holy Spirit and there is a baptism of fire. That's what the Bible says. So there's no question that there is a baptism of the Holy Spirit and there is a baptism of fire. Now, we as human beings want to theologize everything and work it out how it's supposed to be. And the reality is, is that this is a spiritual thing. It's not a natural thing. This baptism of the Holy Spirit, this baptism of fire is a spiritual thing. And I truly believe that the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the fire are very connected. It's the Holy Spirit that ignites that fire in you. It's when the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples that there were the flames of fire that sat upon each of them. So the Holy Spirit is, is, is what's poured out but this fire's with him. Is that, does that make sense? But there is this fire, this, this fire, this baptism of fire that we need to examine a little deeper. And where can we see this in Scripture? How do we see it play out? And how do we see it all come together? We understand that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to empower us. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's what Jesus said. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is for power. But this fire is for more than just power. Let's go to Isaiah 6, verse number 1. We'll kind of start there, and then we'll dive deeper into it this, this morning. Isaiah 6, verse number 1. This is one of the most beautiful pieces of Scripture because you and I get a glimpse of heaven through the eyes of this prophet who has a vision, or perhaps he was taken there, we don't really know. But this is what it says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And he cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full 
of His glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of Him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. It's purged. It's removed. It's purged. Before we talk about the first thing that the fire is for, I need you to see something. In heaven, in and around the throne of God, there is smoke of the glory of God. The presence of God is there. And I need you to understand something. The fire that was burning with Moses on the bush was not an ordinary fire. This is not a new fire, though. This fire comes from the throne of heaven. The Bible tells us that there are coals, that there is a coal with fire in heaven. That fire burns in heaven. That fire is holy fire. This fire is not fake or there to... This fire is there to change a person's life. When this coal of fire was taken and placed on the prophet's mouth, he was completely changed forever. But in the midst of God's glory and presence and smoke of fire and, and coal of fire and burning, burning presence of the Lord, something immediately happens to the prophet. The first thing that the fire of the Lord will do when it falls on your life, when it baptizes you, is it will purge out the garbage, the junk in your life. As the prophet is standing in the midst of the, of the presence of God, immediately something happens to him. Look at what he says. Verse number five. So I said, woe is me. For I am undone. I'm falling apart. I'm undone because I'm a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. You, you've got to imagine it. This, this presence and, and fire and, and angels singing holy, holy, holy. And, and while he's in this presence and the presence of God and the fire of God is in that place. Immediately the response from his, from his inner man is, I'm unclean. I'm a mess. God, what am I going to do? I, I can't even be in your presence. I'm not worthy to be in your presence. So what does God do? He, one of the angels goes and takes a coal of that fire and takes that coal and puts it on his mouth. And when that fi fire touches his mouth, it cleanses him. Are you guys with me? It purges him. It cleanses him. I'm a man of unclean lips. You've got to see this. This is so important. He's standing there. This is a prophet that has served the Lord, that loves the Lord. But this is a different encounter. This is a moment where everything changes. I don't know what he was like. Maybe he was someone that, that used to speak badly about people. Not on this side though. You guys are all very holy. You know, maybe... 
you know, he had unclean lips. Maybe he thought that his life was, was fairly decent and good and he lived a good sort of religious life. But in that moment, he recognized that what's in him, what comes out of his heart, what comes out of his mouth is so, so unclean, so defiled, so not worthy and holy enough to be standing in the presence of God. And that's what the fire does. When that fire falls on you, it purges you, it cleanses you, it changes you, it transforms you. Are you guys with me? This is what happens. This is what happens. Take a look. Matthew 3 verse 11 says, let's go back there. We're going to come back to Isaiah in just a moment. Matthew 3 11 says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His willowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly cleanse out the threshing floor, gather his wheat into barns, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Listen. Yes, there will be judgment. Judgment is coming. We understand that. But the baptism with fire that comes upon God's people is there to burn out the chaff, is there to burn out the garbage, is there to cleanse you and to purge you. Let me explain. Let me, let me, let me, let me tell you something. Most of you know the story. And if you've heard it, you're going to hear it again. <laughs> I grew up serving the Lord. I, I grew up, I was a good kid. I really was. If my kids would be like me, that's okay, kind of. Maybe there's a few things. Okay, maybe there's a lot of things. Okay, the point is I was a good Christian boy, but I did not know the Lord. I knew about him. I was the leader in my school over all the other leaders, and I was the, the, you know, I would pray in all the prayer meetings, and I would open assemblies, and, you know, I was a good Christian boy. But I had never encountered the Holy Spirit. I had never had this fire come on my life and touch me in a way that I would be changed forever. But when I walked into Little Falls Christian Center in Johannesburg, South Africa at 19 years old and sat in the back of that service, the presence was thick. The atmosphere was thick with the presence of God. I don't remember the sermon. I, I can't remember the worship. I can't remember anything except that I cried from the minute of, it started to the end. And somewhere in between, there was an altar call. And I went to the front and I got prayed for and I got ministered to and it was great and, and the, the Holy Spirit came upon me and all of that. But it was not, there was no fire from heaven or there was no wind that came in the room and I didn't shake and fall down, nothing like that. I was just standing there. But my heart, something had happened to my heart in that moment. Something had changed in my heart that I'd never experienced before. And I remember standing there and, and, and for a moment sort of glancing around me and there was nobody left. The service was over. I was just standing there like this facing the front. And all of a sudden, the lady that had been praying for me to come with her son to church, my best friend at the time, came up to me and she came and she patted me on the shoulder from the back. And I turned around. I'm feeling very little except my heart was broken. My heart was changed. 
And as I turn around, the, 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 I didn't know what was going on. You've got to understand, I wasn't taught. I wasn't Pentecostalized. I wasn't trained on any of this stuff. I didn't know what this was. I turn around, and she goes bloodshot red in the face, and, and she goes flying. The power of God hits her, and she falls on the ground. I don't know what's going on. At the very same moment, I just couldn't stand anymore, and I'm on the ground. But I'm not trained, so I don't really understand what's wrong with me and why I'm not able to get up off the ground. But something happened, guys. Forget about the manifestation. You see, it didn't come with fire. And like I, like I was, like, I, like now we talk about and we wait for, you know, the sound from there and then it's going to come down and it's going to shake someone. And only really, it only happens when someone screams for the first, then it begins. To, no, it doesn't have to be that way. It's, yeah, the fire falls and it cleanses your heart. The fire falls and it changes your heart. I got up, I went home. I, I, I've never felt like that. I've been a Christian pretty much my whole life, grew up a Christian, and all of a sudden now, for the first time, I feel clean, I feel cleansed, I feel whole, I feel different, I don't feel the way I felt before that service. All of a sudden, I, I go to bed and I have this amazing sleep, wake up in the morning, my eyes are not even open yet, and I'm like, where's my Bible? I've got to get my Bible. I get my Bible, I go downstairs, I tell my parents how the Lord has encountered me. They were like, we'll see how long that lasts. And I'm just like really so on fire for God. I go, I go to the mall with my Bible. I drive in my car with the Bible. I phone, the first thing I did was go to my friend's house. And I said to my friend's mom, what's happened to me? And she said, the Holy Spirit has touched you. You've been changed. What happened to me was the fire, the baptism of the Spirit and the fire came on me. And it transformed me, it purged me, it changed my heart. Are you guys with me? That's what happens. That's what happens. This can happen to you in your room at home. It doesn't have to happen in a service. But this, there is a moment where you come before the Lord and you surrender fully to Him and you give your heart to Him and you forget about all your theology and you forget about all your desire and the way you think it's supposed to be and you allow Him to touch you. And then you look in Scripture and if it's there, it's for you. Now watch. So we can see that this fire that's supposed to come on us, that comes upon us, this baptism of fire, is there to burn out this stuff. But I want to show you something. Let's go back to Isaiah 6, verse number 7. We'll kind of pick it up there just for the context. Isaiah 6, 7 and he touched my mouth with it, this is with that coal, and said, behold, this has touched your lips, your iniquity is taken away, and your sin purged. Watch this now. Also, I heard a voice saying, whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, or here am I. Send me. What are you, I'm confused. Like literally 10 seconds ago, you said, Lord, I'm a man of unclean lips. Woe is me, God. I, I'm not holy. I'm not worthy. I shouldn't be here. This is not for me. But something happened to him. 
in the midst of that moment, while he was unclean and while he was, he was yes, he was a servant of the Lord. Yes, he was serving the good. He was a prophet of God. But in that moment, an angel took that coal, put it on his lips. That fire touched his life. And once that fire touched his life, not only was he cleansed, but he went from saying, woe is me, to Lord, send me. Lord, send me. Lord, use me. Lord, my life belongs to you. I want to serve you with my whole life. I want to serve you with my whole heart. I promise you in South America, we'd already have revival. Right now, we'd have revival. You see, the second thing that the fire does is first it cleanses and purges you, but the second thing is it gives you a a passion. It gives you a zeal. It gives you a desire that you never had before, just like it was with me that, that, that morning at Little Falls. I, I, I remember the next day waking up and I, I just suddenly had this passion. I suddenly had this zeal that I never had before and all I wanted to do was give my life to the Lord and serve Him with everything inside of me. That's what the fire does. It produces that passion. Hebrews 1.7 says this. It says, and of the angels, he says, who make his angels spirits and ministers a flame of fire. Smith Wigglesworth, I read his book on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. It's an old book. And he talks about this verse as ministers of God are supposed to burn as a flame of fire. A minister, who's a minister? You're a minister. I'm a minister. We are supposed to burn as flames of fire. Why? Because we have seen the Lord. We have been with Him. We know Him. We have encountered Him. Are you guys with me? When angels appear, they always appear in light and like like almost burning, like coming from the presence of God. When the angel appeared to Daniel, he fell down because of the glory and the presence. A minister that has been with God, you know that fire is on his life. And so it should be with each and every one of us that that fire should burn bright in each and every one of our lives. The second thing the fire does is it causes that zeal and that passion to come on you. First, it purges. Second, it sets you ablaze. What am I talking about? What happened to the disciples, guys? The disciples, the disciples on the day of Pentecost, when the fire came on them, they were transformed. Peter gets up and preaches a sermon that saves 3,000 people. He wasn't the same way he was. Just a little while ago, he had denied Jesus. What happened in between? The baptism of the Holy Spirit and the fire that fell on him. Are you with me? So how do we qualify? How do we receive this fire? It's so important that we understand what I'm about to share with you. This is so important. Let's go to 1 Kings 18.20. A popular story in scripture. This is really, really powerful. And unfortunately, I just can't, I can't summarize it too much. We need to read a lot of it because I need you to see this. This is so important. I first of all want you to see that the, that, that the, the context, again, is addressing the children of Israel. What does that mean? That they are already covenant children of God. They are already covenant children of God. Are you guys with me? And basically the context is this, is that there is about to be a showdown on Mount Carmel between the prophets of Baal and Elijah the prophet. And the reason why Elijah did this was because the people were no longer faithful to God. They were compromising. They'd become a compromising people. 
I want you to know that a, that, a, that a church without his fire can easily become a compromising church. In fact, it's like when you lose your first love, when Jesus, when he, when he addresses the church, the loveless church, he addresses them and says, this I have against you, that you have lost your first love. You have lost your fire. You have lost your passion. So 1 Kings 18, 20. So Ahab sent for the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. Elijah came to the people and said, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. How is this possible? In other words, you've got to make a decision. If you're going to serve God, then do it. Serve him with everything. Take it all. Believe it all. Don't choose what you want to choose and follow ways that you think are appropriate. It's the same thing. So because he says, listen, you've got to make a choice, the Bible says they answered him not a word. It's unbelievable. In other words, they didn't have an answer for what he said because they weren't willing to say, Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to follow you with everything. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left the prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. I need you to see the magnitude of what's about to take place. 450 men. Therefore, let them give us two bulls and let them choose one bull for themselves. Cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood. But put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood. But put no fire under it. Then you, then you call on the name of your gods and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the, the God who answers by fire, he is God. So all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Now Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one bull for yourselves and prepare it first. For you are many. And call on the name of your God, but put no fire under it. So they took the bull which was given to them and prepared it and called on the name of Baal. Listen to this now. From morning till noon, 450 prophets of Baal. There were actually other prophets there too, false prophets. Oh, Baal, hear us. But there was no voice. No one answered. Then they leaped about the altar which they had made. I need to say something. This is important. This is so good. What I'm about to tell you is so good, okay? I just want you to know that, okay? What we must understand is the enemy does have power. In those days, these false idols, there was things that would manifest. There were evil things. We know when, 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 when um, Moses went before Pharaoh, the magicians were able to perform certain acts as well. Are you with me? But the fire that comes from heaven cannot be manufactured. True, authentic fire cannot be produced to consume a sacrifice of this capacity. Are you with me? So only one could answer. The true God would be the only one who could answer because he's the only God that can answer with fire. Now watch. And so it was at noon that Elijah mocked him and said, cry aloud, for he is a God. 
either he is meditating or he is busy or he's on a journey. I want you to know the busy there means he's on the toilet. That's what it means. If you look it up in the Hebrew, it actually means that. It means that, listen, your God is either meditating or he's busy sitting on the toilet or he's on a journey. Or perhaps he is sleeping and must be awakened. So they cried aloud. Now it's getting serious because nothing's happening. And cut themselves as it was their custom with knives and lances until the blood gushed out of them. And when midway, midday was passed, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. But there was no voice and no one answered. No one paid attention. Why? Because they could not. Then Elijah said to the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him and he repaired the altar. This is so important. When Elijah called the people, he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. He took the 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the, sto of the sons of Jacob, the 12 tribes of Israel, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. You might be called Dan, you might be called Issachar, you might be called whatever, but I want you to know that Israel is your name. So he restored unity amongst the people, essentially. Then with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two seas of seeds. And he put the wood in order, cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood and said, fill four water pots with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. Then he said, do, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. So when the water ran around the, around the altar and, and he also filled the trenches with water and it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, so now it's evening sacrifice. I want you to see this from morning till evening, the false gods could not reply. But now it's the time of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are the God of Israel and I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord. Hear me that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. I need you to see something. This is so powerful, guys. Understand that God appeared to Moses in a flame of fire. Moses was completely transformed when that fire, when, that, when he was in the midst of that fire, when he was in the midst of the presence of God. The prophet, the prophet Isaiah, we see in the midst of the throne room of God, when that fire touched his mouth, how his life was completely transformed. There he was, willing to give his life completely. Now the prophet is standing, and for this fire to fall from heaven on the sacrifice, everything had to be prepared. Everything had to be set in order, or else the fire wouldn't come. It would not be authentic fire that would fall from heaven. Are you with me? But he sets everything in place, cries out to the Lord. In verse 38 it says, Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice. And the wood and the stones and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. And when the people saw it, what did they see? 
the fire. What happened? The fire fell. When the fire fell, the people saw it and fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Why? Because in the midst of that fire that fell on that sacrifice, when that fire falls on you, you are changed. And in that moment, in an instant, they were reminded and they saw that their God is the only God. But it required a sacrifice. It required a sacrifice. Are you with me? Let me show you something real quick. Let's go to Luke 12, verse 49. Before we read it, everybody look at me just for a moment. We understand that God is a covenant-keeping God. In the Old Testament, in order for your sin to be taken away, a sacrifice would have to be made so that your that sacrifice would basically stand in the place of your sin. Are you with me? It would fall on that animal, on that, on, that, on that sacrifice, and your sin would be taken away because that thing would be killed. Are you guys with me? And what did they do with the sacrifices? They burnt them. Fire would consume them. Are you guys with me? To consume that sin, to remove that sin. Now you must understand that when God answers here and separates and the people, their hearts are, are, are drawn back to him, it's when that fire falls on this sacrifice. Now, the Bible tells us that Jesus would be the one. He said the words himself that would, that would, that would baptize us with the Holy Spirit. John told us that he would baptize us with the Holy Spirit and fire. But in order for this baptism of fire to take place, in order for that fire to legally come and fall on you and I, there would have to be a sacrifice. Take a look at what Jesus says. Luke 12, verse 49. I come to send fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. In other words, I wish it were already ablaze. But I have a baptism to be baptized with. And how distressed I am till it is accomplished. I was reading commentary after commentary after commentary, trying to see what the scholars say about this. And the majority all agree that this is no question, the baptism of suffering that Jesus would have to experience. Why? Because there would have to be a sacrifice that would be perfect, that would be without blemish, that would be able to take away the sins of the world. But you must understand that when the sacrifice has been made, and yes, the sacrifice is made to take away your sin, but it also falls and consumes. It consumes what it falls on. Are you with me? When Jesus died and rose again, the fire that consumed the sacrifice falls on who? On his body. Come on, somebody. Are you not the body of Christ? The sacrifice has already been paid in full. Jesus has already been that lamb without spot and blemish. The sacrifice of fire, the baptism of fire falls on the church as it did with Isaiah. Like it did with Peter. Peter literally denied Jesus just a short while back. Suddenly, when the Holy Spirit comes upon him and the baptism of fire touches his life, he is no longer the same. He preaches a sermon that saves 3,000 people. 
He's literally so passionate and zealous for God that when they tried to crucify him, he said, you cannot do it to me the same way. Hang me upside down. Are you guys with me? What qualifies you for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, him sending his spirit for the baptism of fire to purge you, to cleanse you, to strengthen you, to put zeal in you, to change your life, is the sacrifice of the Lamb. His sacrifice is what qualifies you for that fire. Now we know the Bible says that we too should become living sacrifices, that we should enter into His suffering. We understand that that the fire falls on a sacrificed life, yes, but what qualifies you is His sacrifice. Even your consecration and dedication is not what qualifies you. What does it is His sacrifice. And I want you to know that it's great news. It's such good news that the fire will fall on your life, that the fire will fall on my life, that it will touch us and change us and transform us and renew us and strengthen us. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Give the Lord a clap. Amen. Everything in the Old Testament is a type and shadow. Moses meets the Lord. After the fire falls, he's changed. Isaiah meets the Lord with a fire touching him. He's changed. Listen. (laughs) It's not the same context. It's kind of a little bit of a strange example. But even King Nebuchadnezzar changed when he saw the fourth man in the fire. We are supposed to have that desire to embrace that Lamb of God, to serve Him and love Him and follow Him with our whole hearts. And He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and He will baptize you with His fire and set your heart ablaze for Him. Burn out the junk, burn out the stuff that's in our lives that we don't want. I don't want it. Take it away, Lord. You can't overcome. You're right. That's why you need it burnt out. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. Are you guys with me? Let's bow our heads. Father, this morning in this place, We are so grateful that you are the God that answers with fire. We are the body of Christ, the worthy lamb has been slain. And even in our unclean state, Because of the perfect sacrifice that replaces our weaknesses, our sins, our transgressions, that fire can fall on our lives. The Holy Spirit can be given to us, in us, upon us, to change us forever. 
does your word not say that obedience is better than sacrifice? The greatest sacrifice has already been made. I choose this morning, we choose this morning to be obedient vessels, to surrender ourselves to you. Here's my life, Lord. Send me. Just like the children of Israel, when that fire fell, Lord, let us be a people that say these words, the Lord, he is God. And there is no other. I choose no other. I desire to serve you. Holy Spirit, I ask this morning in this place, watching online, Father, anybody that is a surrendered vessel that chooses to follow Jesus with their whole heart, that you would encounter them even now in this place, that you would fill them afresh now in this place. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would touch them. Holy Spirit, that you would fill them now baptize them with the Holy Spirit, baptize them with a fresh fire, a fresh zeal, a cleansing, a purging of your spirit right now in the name of Jesus. Right now, Lord, touch them, touch them right there in their chair. Just surrender, just surrender to him right now. Just remember, you don't have to look for outward manifestations for the inward work to be done. It's great when they come. But how surrendered are you? Touch them this morning, Lord. Let the fire of your spirit come upon them like never before, God. These young people, Lord, touch them. Touch them, fill them. Fill them with that zeal. Fill them with that fire. Lord, let the junk burn out, God. Let us remember what's most important. It's the beginning of a new year. Let us put you first, Lord. Let us put your ways. Oh, you know, I don't believe in this and I don't believe in that. The word says it's true. That there will be a baptism of the Holy Spirit, a baptism of fire, that you will be flooded, you will be consumed with this fire that will ch touch and change your life. It will change you. It will, it will, it, when, when that fire comes from heaven and touches you, you can never be the same. Father, I pray right now over every surrendered vessel that they will never be the same. Fill them now, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And I give you thanks. Right now, right now, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Just a minute of silence, just a few seconds of silence. Nobody talk, please, just for a moment. Just fill them up, God. There he is. We honor you, God, and we love you, and we surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, I could call you up and lay hands on everybody, but we're not going to do that. Because over the next few weeks, I'm going to be teaching you all about the fire. And we're heading towards the Holy Spirit Fire Conference, which will be one like we've never had before. I guarantee you that. And you will be touched. But I want you to understand something. I've had conversations with many of you. There are people sitting in this room and you've told me about your encounters with God. He can touch you anywhere. 
What he's looking for is a surrendered vessel, an obedient vessel that says, here I am, Lord. And he will fill you and he will touch you. But you need to be the one that says, Lord, I want all of you. I choose you. Amen. Are you guys okay? It's so quiet in Vero Beach this morning. Amen. So come back next week as we dive more into this. Let me, let me bless you. Father, we love you. I thank you for your presence this morning. I thank you, God, that you are busy doing your work on our hearts. Let this fire, Lord, change our hearts, Lord. Let it transform us, our minds. Your word, let it transform us, God. Let it draw us closer to you. We honor you and we love you in the mighty name of Jesus. And I give you thanks for it. In Jesus' name, amen.